She turned to them and encouraged them, saying that as they were engaged in doing God's work, how could they die in a better cause? She then led the way on foot. The current was so strong that she lost her footing and was on the point of being carried away when our Lord rescued her. Oh, my Lord, she exclaimed with her usual loving familiarity, when will you stop scattering obstacles in our path? Do not complain, daughter, the divine master answered, for this is how I treat my friends. And she replied, Oh, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. to that story, can't we? We struggle, we suffer, we go through so much, and sometimes we're like, Lord, we're on your side, remember? We're on your side. I do think that the people of Acts would have also related to this statement, because at the beginning it seemed like things were going so well, and then it just kept degrading from there. It was always two steps forward, one step back. And we start at the beginning of Acts. I'm just going to give you a little bit of what happened to them in this early part of the book of Acts. You know, we, we heard actually last week from George about how things were going really well at the beginning. In Acts 2, Acts 2, I'm going to just read a little bit, 46 to 47, it says that every day the church, they, continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Sounds great. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Everything's going really well. And then even in Acts 4, although Peter and John do get arrested and thrown in jail, what happens? They kind of get a slap in their hands, stop talking about Jesus, and off they go. They get let go again. So things seem okay. In Acts 5, things seem to be going okay. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So everything seems like it's going well. Until things start to take a turn for the worse. First of all, you recall from the message a few weeks ago that in Acts 5, right after what we just said, the persecution got harder, the apostles got thrown into jail, and if you recall, they were let free, but first they were flogged. And flogging is no joke, it's 39 lashes of the whip, so this is a serious and frightening development, right, that they're starting now to get beaten, and things then at that point start to go from bad to worse. In Acts 6 and 7, there's a man named Stephen, who they describe as full of faith of the Holy Spirit. And Stephen ends up getting arrested for speaking about Jesus. He gets sort of put through a sham of a trial by the Sanhedrin, and then he's stoned to death. So now it's getting really serious. From this point on, the church is going to suffer greatly and would scatter. Scatter all about Paul and Barnabas, Philip and Silas, all moving onward and outward, planting churches. But every time they plant a church, there'll be more persecution, more trouble. It was like two steps forward, one step back. And this goes on for the rest of the book of Acts. You can read through it and see Paul and Barnabas in their first missionary journey go off and they're planning churches in Iconium and, and Derbe and Lystra. In Lystra, Paul was beaten so badly they thought he was dead. They, they stoned him so hard they thought he had died. And they had to pull him out of the city and he didn't manage to revive uh, after that. But then Paul and Silas in the second missionary journey went out into Macedonia and they were driven out of cities. Uh, beaten, shipwrecked at some points, uh, all throughout the book of Acts, you can see the trouble, the struggle, the hardship. And it wasn't just the leaders, okay? It wasn't just your Pauls and your Barnabases and your Silas. It was also the regular people. 
people. The regular people who they would come into their town and plant a church and raise them all up and they would be there and then they would go through persecution. Thessalonians, the Thessalonians went through severe suffering, it says in the scripture. Just a little church in Macedonia. They're just regular people. Um, but here, here it is. They, they say in 1 Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, he says, Paul writes this to the Thessalonians. What's cool about Acts, okay, this is just a little like Bible aside, is if you're not, didn't, weren't aware, Acts is, of course, like a historical story of the book of the church. But at every point, they're going in the church. And if you want to know a little bit more about that church, there's a letter often later in the Bible that was written to that church by Paul or Peter or other that said this is, and it relates to what's happening in Acts. So a fun way to read Acts is to read through it. And when you come across Thessalonica, read Thessalonians. When you come across Colossae, read, about, read Colossians. When you come across Philippi, read Philippians because you'll understand more. So I'm going to take you to Thessalonians today because it helps you understand what was going on in Thessalonica. It says this, they went through severe suffering. Paul writes, you welcomed, you Thessalonians, welcomed the message of Jesus in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. First Peter, Peter writes something similar. He writes how the believers all throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, places they scattered to, they had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Then we have James. James writes, we studied this last fall, right? James writes to the believers scattered among the nations, and what does he say? That they should persevere under trial, having stood the test, the person, that the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The early church struggled. They really struggled. They really had a hard time. It was two steps forward, one step back, sometimes two or three steps back. They lost homes, they lost families, some of them were imprisoned or beaten, some of them had been killed for their faith. They thought they were making progress and then they would be scattered again. And I wonder if sometimes we feel a little bit like this in our life. I mean, thankfully we are not being persecuted or beaten or thrown in jail for our faith. But I think many of us, and I talk to so many people who feel like, it seems like I just get going and then everything falls apart again. I just take two steps forward and then, and then I'm taking one step back in my life. Whether it's in your personal life, in your financial life, in your relationships, in your marriages, with your children. It sometimes seems like God is not treating us very well as, as his friends, right? That things are not going well. I mean, for example, you worked faithfully in a job for decades. And then suddenly they do a downsizing and they let you go. Two weeks notice, see you later. Uh, if you get that much. Or maybe you finally get another job, a job you're looking for, and the job you finally get, the boss is controlling and a nightmare and terrible, so then you have to struggle with that. Like, well, I prayed for this job, and now the job I got is not a great job. Or, and this is very relevant, right? You, you do all the right things. You get the, the vaccine, and you wear your mask, and you get your booster, and you get all that stuff, and you still get COVID. And you're really sick, and you're wait a minute, I did all the right things. Come on. Why is this happening to me? Or you feed into your children, you raise them up in the way they should go, you bring them to church, you do all the right things with them, you pray over them, you love on them, and they still rebel. And they walk away. They do the opposite of what you think they should do. Or how about you live a pretty healthy life? You eat right, exercise, you're really good, and then you go to the doctor and you get some crazy diagnosis, some scary diagnosis. You think, how does this happen to me? I get it for the guy that's not so healthy, but I'm always been healthy. Why me, God? Why is this happening to me? Or you make a big move somewhere and say, this is it. And you 
do it, but make a big move, and you get there, and then it all falls apart. This happened, actually, in our family. Before I was born, my mother was pregnant out to here with me. I'm the last of five. So they already had four kids. My dad and, and, and the family lived in Worcester, Massachusetts. And my dad had decided all the good jobs were in Rochester, New York. So he got a job in Rochester. And they, he moved the whole family, mom pregnant like this, and, and with me. And then they moved all the way out to Rochester. They get there. A month later, my mom goes into labor, has me. And while she's still in the hospital, he lost the job. But they moved all the way over there for and this, and this is what happens right now. You think, Lord, what, 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 what's going on here? Why is this happening to me? The list goes on and on. Lord, this is how you treat your friends. So no wonder you have so few. If you've lived a long time or enough time, you know that this is life. Right? Life, life has a lot of ups and downs. We're, we do well to appreciate the times the normal times, the ordinary times, of just getting up and having your cup of coffee and feeling good and going to work. And we, we, we need to appreciate those moments because those are, those are precious moments. But sometimes there's so much struggle and it's so hard. And Lord, how do, we, how do we get through that? How do we do that as a church? How do we help each other as a church? We're going to learn today from the book of Acts. How did the church in Acts do this? And, and God did some incredible work through the book of Acts to the people of Acts because of their struggles. Through their struggles, he did. And so we're going to look at three things that God did through them. The first is that through their struggles, the early church scattered, and then it grew. So the scattering did not seem like a good thing at the time. They were like us. They were a nice, happy church in Jerusalem. They loved each other. They all come to Jesus together. They served together. They had food together. They called each other's babies. Like They loved it. They were having a good time. And then suddenly the whole thing has to scatter. They're all scattering all over the place because everyone's getting persecuted. And so they're having to leave families and friends. And it did not seem like a good thing. But look what the Lord did through this. In Acts 8 now, it says those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So they brought Jesus wherever they went. Whatever they did. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. The Samaritans believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both men and women. People got saved. Acts 11, 19-21, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. But some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about Jesus Christ. And look at this, this verse. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. See, that persecution led to the growth of the church. It forced them out of their comfort zone. And that's what struggle does, doesn't it? Forces us out of our comfort zone. And it, it was the only way for God's word to go out. If they had stayed in their comfy place in Jerusalem, likely that whole thing would have died out. It would have never multiplied. It would have just stayed and, and floated on itself. But instead, God forced it out, and they multiplied out. They spoke the word of Jesus, and the disciples became disciples, became disciples, became disciples. It was only through the struggle that the church grew. And not only that, it grew the disciples themselves. Peter and, or Paul and James talk, both talk about this, and they went through a lot of troubles. So we should listen to what they say about this, because they know of what they speak. And this is what Paul says about the troubles. In Romans 5, he says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. 
crazy? How many of you are glorying in your sufferings right now? Church, glory in your sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope. James says a similar thing. It's funny how similar these two passages are. James says, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials. How many of you are considering a joy in your struggles? Are they crazy again? But he says almost the same thing. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete and not lacking anything. Could this be true for us? Could God be using our struggles and our trials to build perseverance in us? To build faith in us? I don't believe that God sends trials upon us to test us or to strengthen us. I don't think he's up in heaven going, ooh, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's really hit David now with something new. You know, he needs a little, little growth. Let's hit the, no, I don't think that that's what God is doing. He's not cruel. But I do think that he takes every single trial and trouble that comes upon us. Because we live in a fallen world, and there's going to be plenty to go around. Amen. And he takes every single one of those, and he starts to work in our hearts and move in us and do something in us. If we will call on him and hold on to him, he will start to do a work in us that nothing else can do. Amen. Nothing else can do. And I believe he uses every single one. My mom got brain cancer, and within six months, was gone. And it was the saddest time of my whole life. Just the worst. Um, she was too young. It was just not, it was so unexpected. And so I was grieving. It was a terrible trial. But God used that situation to bring her to himself in a very miraculous way. Someday I'll tell you the whole story. But uh, not for right now. But, but she, in a very miraculous way, brought her to know him. She did not know him before that time. And she came to know him before she died. And then I was able to see a miracle that I never had seen before. And so my faith grew during that time that I, in a way that had never grown before. I didn't. I, I now don't, don't have any trouble believing. I had a lot of problem believing before that God could do something supernatural, but not after that. And so God used that terrible season in my life. I still wish she was here. It's not like the pain of the struggle goes completely away. But what God did was so good, and he grew me up, and he grew her, and brought her into his kingdom. This is what God does. He does kingdom work. In the middle of our struggles, if we look Amen. for him in it, God works through. What I don't mean is that when we're struggling, we just put on a fake happy face. Oh, see, I'm in struggle, so praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord for all these hard times we're going through. No, there's nothing good uh, or joyful about cancer or losing loved ones or losing jobs or any of that. We don't, we don't put on a false... Um, phrase about that, but we lean into God in those moments. We start to say, Lord, what, rather than, you know, why God is happening to me, why me, why, why me, instead of that, we start to press into God and say, God, how, what are you doing in me through this? How can I lean on you more in this situation? How can I trust you with this situation? How can my faith be made stronger, God? And you know, if you look back over your life, the times that you grew most in your faith, I suspect most of you would say it was during struggle. Yeah. It was during trials, pressing into God, declaring, even when I don't see it, you're moving. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. Yeah. And we say it all the time, Waymaker. Do we believe it? Yeah. That when we don't see it or we don't feel it, God is still 
This is how we persevere in the face of trials, and it will result in character, hope, and maturity. And this is what happened to the early church. That's how they grew. So that's the first thing God did, is that he grew his church through the struggles that they had. He's going to grow you through the struggles you have as you trust in to him. He is. But the other thing that happened is through the struggles, the early church also became a witness and an encouragement to others. This was part of their witness to the world. You know, we're focusing a lot here at, at, at PC Vineyard about how we can be a, a light to the world. This is one of the ways we show forth Jesus is how we handle our struggles. And so I want to talk to you again about that Thessalonian church because, man, they were going through it, right? They had severe suffering. And listen to what Paul says about them. I love this. This is three little passages from, from the letters of Thessalonians. The first one says this. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering and the joy given by the Holy Spirit. We read this before. So you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith has become known everywhere. Everyone knew how they handled this situation. First Thessalonians 3. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Paul and his, his people, they were encouraged because of your faith. For now we really live since you stayed in front of the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have? in the presence of our God because of you. Isn't that beautiful? How encouraged God was by, or Paul was, by seeing the Thessalonians in their faith. And then 2 Thessalonians 1, we ought also to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. The love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance in faith in all the persecutions and the trials you are enduring. These were regular folk. These weren't special super Christians. These were people like us. And yet, listen to what Paul says about them. They were a model to other believers in their faith. That he himself, the great apostle Paul, was encouraged in his own faith because of them. Um, and I love what it says. It says, their love for each other was increasing and in their trials. So in their trials, they came together. As a body, they came together and helped each other. You know what I observed? I observed that many of us, when we go through a trial, whether we're struggling through a trial of finances, whether it's a struggle of more mental or emotional issues, maybe our marriage is struggling, I, what I observe is that most of us isolate. We actually pull back. We don't want people to know. They can't know there's something wrong with my marriage. They can't know that I've got, you know, I'm struggling with these thoughts. They can't know that we're, we're running out of money. And so we tend to isolate and pull back. And you see how that's the opposite of what the church acts did. They pressed in. They said, we're, we're going we're to draw in together and love each other and work together on this. This is why we have prayer teams. This is not just because we're a vineyard and we have to have a prayer team. <laughs> okay? this, is, it, it does, it does, this does something because when you are struggling and you can come up and be honest and open and vulnerable and say, we're really struggling. And you have someone pray with you. Now, suddenly God moves, first of all. Holy Spirit moves through those prayers and he hears and answers, but you are built together with the body of Christ. I want to see more of us come up for prayer. Because I don't believe that none of y'all need prayer. <laughs> I don't believe that. And every week, I feel like we could, we could be coming up to receive because this is how we come together as a body. This is how we love one another. And this is what he says. Their faith was increasing and their love for each other was increasing in the midst of the trials. It's not hard for 
priest when everything's going right. Yeah. See the trials when we press into God and press into each other. Amen. This is a safe place. It's a safe place to come and bring your struggles, your trials. And Paul boasted about them. Boasted about them. Boasted about their perseverance and faith. All that anyone would boast about us. Boast about, wow, look at the way Gate City Vineyard takes care of one another. Look at the way they press into God when they're struggling and how God comes through for them. Oh, that someone would be able to boast that about us. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. It's a witness to the world. When we go through trials, may we throw ourselves in the hands of God and then be open and vulnerable with one another as we walk through it together. And believe in the darkness what we have been revealed in the light. Because God is there. He's there to do that. The last thing the early church saw that through their struggles, what happened in the early church is they were reminded of the heavenly home to come. And this is such an important point. You cannot escape this if you read the letters, especially the letter written to the churches that were really under struggle. First Peter, James, Hebrews, South Thessalonians, to all those believers who were struggling under persecution. There is a message that goes out over and over again in those, in those letters. And it's that you are struggling, but remember you have a home to go to. That this world is not all there is. That there's a home waiting for you. That there's God's word will be revealed. That Jesus is coming back. They say over and over and over again to those believers who are struggling. But this is a hope we have in the midst of struggling. I want to read to you a little bit longer passage from Hebrews, just because it says it so well. Um, it's from Hebrews 10. It talks about um, uh, the persecution and how they were reminded over and over again about the, the es it's, it's eschatology. It's the coming of the kingdom. When it finally comes in all its full, this kingdom is here, but not all, not completely. And so this is when he finally comes back and he encourages them with that. Listen to this from Hebrews 10. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were, who were so treated. I love this. Sometimes somebody su you're suffering persecution, and sometimes you're called to stand side by side with someone who's suffering. So let's keep that in mind, too. That's the body of Christ, right? Sometimes you're the one suffering, and sometimes you're the same beside someone who's suffering. I just love that that's thrown in there. Um, he says, you're suffering, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you knew, and here it is, that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You do not need to, pers you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Okay. But my righteousness, righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. That's a picture of the time to come, that all of this is going to pass, and we're going to be with, with the Lord. He's coming back. And oh, how that gives us perspective in the middle of our trials, doesn't it? Yeah. James and Peter talk about this. Um, in James 5.8, he says, You too be patient and stand firm. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. First yes. Peter, again, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you or test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when what? His glory is revealed. It's all about the end. Keep the end in mind, church. Keep the end in mind that this is not... Do you see all the promises of God for us? 
suffering believers related to the end of time are going to be richly rewarded. We'll receive what God has promised. Jesus is coming. He's not going to delay. We will have faith and we'll be saved and we'll be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. How exciting is that? This world is not our home. This world is not our home. And can I just say this? I think sometimes we struggle most with our current struggles when we've fallen just a little too much in love with this world. Yeah. I say that again. I think sometimes we struggle, maybe we struggle more. We're always going to struggle. We struggle even more when we've fallen too in love with this world. We think that this world you know, is meant to be comforting and wonderful and easy and, and smooth, right? We think that we're kind of owed that. And it's the American way, American dream. Right? We're supposed to have it all nice and we, we kind of think that way. We don't maybe put it into words, but we think that way. That's why when something bad happens, we go, well, why me? This is the world we live in. It's not surprising. More often, we should ask, why not me? Because every one of us is going to struggle. And, 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 and nothing in the early church Nothing in their testimony testifies that they have an expectation that their life is going to be easy. None of them have that expectation. They died to self. They knew that their possessions might be confiscated, their homes might be taken away, their very lives may be taken away. And they, they, they had just given it over to Jesus from the very start. They knew that in coming to Christ, they had already signed off all that. I think that's still true in some parts of the world today. When they come to Christ, they know they're basically signing off on all the things that this world has. Because it could all be taken away from them. They persevered because they knew that this world wasn't their home. They believed Jesus when he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I loved it. At the, at the funeral yesterday, one of the pastors said, death is not really, we don't really die. We just you know, we go from this life and then there's like a little switch and we just go to the next life. There's not that really death in there. I mean, we call it death because we don't know what else to call it, but we just, we're not, we don't die. We're going to be right with the Lord. Amen. So Peter said, don't be surprised if this happened. Don't be surprised. Don't put all your eggs in this earthly basket. This is not the end all, the be all. All right? There's more for us to come. And we can look at our trials and our struggles and we can say, Lord, I, I, I'm struggling with this. I wish this was better. We'll do everything we can to make it better. We pray that it's better. Right? We, we do believe that God moves on this earth. That is our kingdom theology. That the kingdom is here. That he does heal. He does change things. And when we pray, it does matter. But yet still, this world is not going to be ultimately satisfying. It's not. Because he's got a place prepared for you and for me. And we're going to be there with him and with the Lord forever.
But can we be like the early believers and allow God to work in us so that we suffer well? That we press into Him. John 16, Jesus is encouraging His, his disciples because He's told them some sad news and He's leaving and stuff's going to get tough. And here's how He puts it He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. There you have it. You will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Yeah. Take heart today, church. Yeah. He's overcome the world. He's bigger than the world. God is the business of calling all of us to Himself. The struggling, the hurting, the heartache, the brokenhearted, the, the, the grieving, the, the hurting, the, the ones in pain. He's in the business of calling every one of us to Himself and to say, Lord, I, I come to you with this. I'm open with you. I'm honest with you about how I'm feeling. This is terrible. I wish it was different. Prayer, we get prayed over that this would be different. And at the same time, we have this attitude towards suffering that we say, God, I believe that you are good. Whether this thing comes or goes, whether I live or die, to live is Christ. It's all of Him. And He's there with us. And so it's a different kind of attitude in our trials. It's one that puts our trust fully in God and in His goodness, that He's good. It's one that doesn't always ask, Why is this happening to me? but instead asks, God, how might you be glorified in me through this? How might you be glorified? It's one that realizes we're a witness to the world when we walk with him in our trials, when we suffer alone. One that knows that God is walking right next to us, that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will never abandon us in the midst of our troubles. He's holding on to us so tightly. And one that knows that there's room waiting for us at the end of all of this. This is not our whole life is not here in this world. We don't put all our eggs in this basket. There's a much better basket to come with Jesus. So there's an invitation here this, for us this morning. And it's for each one of us very personally to put our trust in Christ in our current struggles. I know that every single one of you, if we could have every one of you stand up and say, this is my struggle today, this is my struggle. Every one of you would have a story. Every one of you has a struggle. Some of you have some very deep, hard struggles. So we have some minor struggles, but they're still struggles. And so I want us to take this moment and invite Jesus into those struggles and begin to ask God to do a work in us through them. May He build perseverance in us. So let's just close our eyes for a moment. Let's, let's, let's bring those struggles before Him. God brings to mind. Sometimes it's not even the big thing that's going on. Sometimes it's something about around the, the big thing that is the thing that's the biggest struggle for you, the biggest heartache for you. And I just pray right now that you would bring those to the feet of the cross. And we ask, first of all, God, that you would relieve our, our pain and our suffering. We do ask that. Lord. We pray your kingdom would come and will be done, that you would heal and that you would relieve, and that you would provide when we need provision, and that you would restore and reconcile relationships where they need to be reconciled. But we pray that our attitude, while we wait for you to move, our attitude would be, God, you are good, and I trust you. May you be glorified in me through this situation I'm in. Be glorified in me through this, Lord. 
and show me who I can share this with, who will who I can lean on during this time so that I won't suffer and struggle alone. May we be in the body of Christ to each other. in a few moments. So I want to give you this this moment. I just feel like we need a little a few moments of just silence before you work.
And let's remember that in our own suffering and struggles, how Jesus goes before us. He knows, he understands. We're going to be in service to come forward. And um, we're going to pray over the helmets in a moment. But when it's in your time, you take your time. You can come up and take, uh, we're having a gluten-free option for you if you want to take the, if, if you're taking the non-gluten-free, it's just one cup. If you're taking gluten-free, it's a little wafer in a cup. But just take the, the bread first alone. That's going to be a, a sign of your personal walk with Christ. Just you and Jesus. Take it as you're ready to say, yes, Lord, I'm entering in. I'm thankful for what you've done for me. Same way he said, took the cup and said, This is my love and your covenant. Pour it out. 